Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast. In your week in IndyCar, oh no, it's not the listener Q&A show. This is our guest show. I haven't done one of these in a long time, like embarrassingly long. And who better to relaunch the, uh, I don't know if I'm going to commit to doing it weekly as I did for years, but who better to uh, relaunch the Week in IndyCar guest show than uh, someone we're calling this week Abu Dhabi Jim shake Hinchcliffe, uh, <laughs> the official mayor of Hinchtown. Uh, how you doing my brother? I am doing very well, sir. Yourself. I am better than bad. And, uh, I'm watching our, our cat Rocky who just had a birthday yesterday turned 11. He is staring out the window, looking at a variety of birds and whatever else that he wishes he could jump through the window and attack so it's kind of a uh, normal rocky yeah absolutely rocky possibly the only cat whose likeness was carried in an indycar race i know if you remember back in 2018 zach veach lost a bet uh and the the punishment for that was carrying a sticker on his helmet at the 2018 sonoma season finale uh and in that it was a cartoon drawn by a friend Roger Warwick, who's done Hinch Tunes forever, and uh, it was of me uh, pretending to be Superman flying, holding Rocky in a pink basket. And so, yeah, Rocky's actually been uh, on board for an IndyCar race, kind of, sort of, or at least his image. But, yeah, that's our boy here. Uh, hey, I got, I, a, I got a question for you. Uh, we're playing uh, Stump the Hinch. Any guess on what appearance number this happens to be for you on this podcast of mine that went live on May the 8th, I believe, of 2016. we got to be getting close to double digits. Oh, we're more than close. We are, and I think this is the legal drinking age in Canada, 14. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in certain, in certain smaller towns, you're probably spot on. Okay. There. See, I, th- I thought I was close. This is your 14th appearance, man. And I'm embarrassed because the last one was December 15th of 2021. So it's really dumb of me to have gone almost to a year, almost a year since your last appearance. But anyways, wow. um, stoked obviously to have you back. You are in the Middle East. Uh, we're going to be talking about your good old commentating career, which is taking off. Uh, our mutual pal, Will Buxton has told me, man, we want to hold on to all the hinge we possibly can loving what you've been bringing to F1 TV. But before I do that, before we get to the other questions sent in by our dear listeners, two little things to mention, really happy to announce if announce, if that's the correct way of putting it, but uh, Cooper tires will be back next year as one of our primary partners on the show sixth year hinch like i'm i'm thinking of all the you know target was a sponsor for ganassi for 27 years and abc supply was a foit sponsor for 15 i still got some time to go but i'm still feeling like six consecutive years for a podcast that's not uh it's not a bad thing so we'll have uh, our dear friends at cooper tires who do indeed power anderson promotions in the usf championships that IndyCar ladder structure that they have. And also our good pals, great friends at the Justice Brothers. They'll be back for year five. And then one that's close to you and I, actually our original show partner, torontomotorsports.com. They're back. I mean, they're always there. They're not going away unless, you know, Derek like decides he hates racing all of a sudden, Derek Koska, and (laughs) I don't know, takes up uh, 
horse racing or something like that. So I think Toronto Motorsports will uh, will always be around. But yeah, just really happy there, brother. Obviously, and thanks to you, like genuinely, thanks to you and so many folks who uh, really helped get this podcast off the ground many years ago and continue to give it love. Should also mention, hey, so off track with Hinch and Rossi, you guys are doing your your podcast in a very weird way. Like I go to listen to it and I click on a, a link and it has pictures and like moving pictures. Yes. Like you guys are stepping up in the world and uh what you've got somewhat serious XM. Uh they're like loving what you guys are doing. I'm trying to remember when you guys launched that. I know we launched our podcasts in relatively similar periods, but y'all are going from strength to strength as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's been fun, man. We, um, started doing yeah, some video content, some little segments, uh, in the, the fathead studio in Indianapolis, which our, our friends at fatheads were very gracious to let us use and, and record some stuff. So we still, you know, the show's still out, uh, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, but then if you want to go to the YouTube channel, which is just, you know, search off track with Hinge and Rossi on YouTube, then you can see some clips of us in the studio looking more professional, not being any more professional because, you know, Fim's still involved, but we're trying to make it look different. Yeah. I was going to say there was one little oddity that stood out. So, Things are improving, things are rising, greater following, greater everything. No upgrade on producer. Seems like dragging <laughs> a little bit of an anchor there, Hinch. I mean, but it's the off season, right? I'm sure you've been uh, either auditioning or, or ha- taking meetings with folks. Uh, you know, clearly there's another step up there to be made. Yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't want to do it all in one go. You know, you got to space this stuff out. So we're, we're still working on it, though. Don't worry. Hopefully it's kind of a December 31st, uh, change, you know, just rock the new year. Uh, I'm sure he'd still show up anyways. Uh, last little thing to, to mention here, and this is just talking about, uh, podcast family last year, really amazing group of folks, the Prude listener group, which just kind of formed on their own around the show here. Uh, one of their leaders, one of the great, great members and supporters of IndyCar, Cassie Johnston, she led an initiative through a charity in Indianapolis that tries to make sure that kids who are are underprivileged and unlikely to receive any gifts, anything around, whether it's Christmas or just the holidays in general, make sure that they do not go without some toys. So she led an initiative somewhat informal last year and used the Indy 500 as a model in the, the traditional grid of 33 starters to raise funds to look after 33 kids, about $100 a piece, and so raised more than $3,300 to do that. She went out, bought everything, brought it to the charity that was then distributed. It was just an amazing thing. Uh, IMS.com, the Speedway, wrote about it, wrote about her just because it deserves celebration. So because Cassie's amazing and possessed of many great skills, James, she didn't just stick with the somewhat informal thing she wouldn't created a website man <laughs> which is crazy and so i would urge y'all if you are in a giving mood want to do something that is indycar themed around the holidays here cassie has created prukids.org p-r-u-e-k-i-d-s dot o-r-g prukids.org and she's raised the goal from 33 kids 
to match the highest number of entries ever for the Indy 500 of 42. So the goal is to try and raise at minimum $4,200 Hinch. And since she launched this, I think last Thursday or Friday, it's already up to about $3,300, $3,400. So I'm confident we're going to, we're going to get past that $4,200 number. But yeah, if, uh, if y'all are inclined Prukids.org, some amazing people there doing just loving charitable things, which I know that ticks a, a big box in your heart and mind. One more item here, and I want to talk about that in terms of, hey, what are you doing here early in December? I, uh, some, I hear rumors of you and some guy named Captain America, uh, his racing for cancer charity that you have been a ardent supporter of for many years. Uh, I hear that the uh, the Hinch and Ryan Hunter race show is continuing another big fundraiser here you're going to be a part of. Tell folks about that. Yeah, so again, it's just the uh, the annual event that that Ryan throws with his his foundation racing for cancer. Tom Vossman's kind of the uh the point man on on making that happen and uh this year we're in Florida, we're going to Sebring this year. We've done it at Laguna Seca in the past, we've done it at West Palm in the past. A uh, couple days of of learning how to drive a race car or getting better at driving race cars if you've done it before with Ryan and I helping, you know, coach and instruct and um you know, we've done rounds of golf as well. Uh, in years past, maybe going to do some fishing this year. So it's just, you know, it's a great, it's a great event. It's an intimate group. Um, we always have a fantastic time and, and we raise a lot of money for a great cause. So it's, I think we're, it's got to be maybe the sixth year we've done it together. And uh, it's been, it's been a blast every year and we get a lot of repeat customers and we still, uh, still have some room for some new ones that come in. So it's, uh, it's a great thing to be a part of. We really enjoy it. Yeah. Take a look at uh, the racing for cancer website. And that would be a, uh, a great place to get connected to uh, go and be uh, coached by Hinch and Captain America. All right, so we've got a bunch of great questions. The first one comes from a M. Pruitt from California. Hey, uh, I remember when Jeremy Shaw and some really cool folks launched the Team USA Scholarship. I think 1990, 1991 was the, uh, the very, very first and sending over young open wheel talent to compete uh, in England formula Fords. The British formula Ford scene has been nasty forever in terms of just knife edge talent being developed. The Walter Hayes trophy being a highly esteemed thing. And from new garden to Jimmy Vassar, to Brian Herta, to this, to that, just uh, so much young talent having gone over there as part of team USA scholarship and advanced their careers, gone on to win IndyCar championships, Indy 500s, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not the only North American team heading over there. Would I be correct in saying that, Hinch? Uh, I'm a little bit ignorant about this. A lot, a lot ignorant about it, but that's okay. There's a Team Canada scholarship as well, and I feel bad because I haven't written about this, but I need to. Can you tell us that it's not just Americans going over there? There's also really cool... Uh, team Canada project as well. Exactly right. I mean, we, uh, the team Canada, you know, uh, program has been around for a bunch of years and it's, it's really just kind of been, you know, a guy by the name of Brian Graham, who's, you know, successfully run formula four teams up in Canada forever. And, um, you know, he's always been a huge supporter of Canadian grassroots racing and, and young Canadian talent. And he's kind of been doing this on his own for a while and then got, teamed up uh, with a guy named Neil Braun and, and a few others to 
kind of launch something that really does emulate what, you know, Jeremy Shaw and, and the, the Team USA scholarship program is because that program's been so successful. You know, you look at the number of, of drivers that have been part of that program that went on to careers in, in IndyCar racing or sports car racing. And uh, obviously they do an incredible job giving these kids some exposure, some experience and, uh, and helping launch their careers. And, and we want to do the same thing for some young Canadians. So it's been, um, it's been going on for a little while, but kind of just a little ad hoc and sort of, you know, Brian would pick a driver that he thought had a good year sort of thing this year, again, in a, in an attempt to sort of, they say imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Well, you know, Jeremy Shaw and his group over there should be flattered because we tried to just basically copy the, the concept. We had a shootout. Uh, we sent two young drivers over for both the, the Formula Ford Festival and, and the Walter Hayes Trophy. So, it you know, in, in the first year of kind of doing it in this this new guise and, you know, a little more, uh, a little more I don't want to say professional, that's probably not the right word, uh, but a little more organized and a little bigger scale, um, you know, it was huge success. The guys had a, you know, had a great, uh, great time over there. Always tricky jumping into, uh, you know, tracks that they've never been to and a lot of weather that they battled over the course of, uh, course of the two weeks of racing, but, uh, you know, a great experience and it's just a program we want to keep growing and, you know, bring on more corporate partners and, and just try to do it better and better every year and, and prepare our drivers to, uh, to fight at the front. Got a couple of related questions from, uh, some other listeners on this. Our pal Kurt Pose, who happens to be a corner worker as well. He, I'm sure you have responded to whatever flags he might have been waving, either at Portland or Long Beach and such. Uh, Kurt has a uh, related question, and I think our pal SRT Nick. Uh, curious about, related here to the uh, Team Canada Scholarship Program, your general support and belief in young Mac Clark. This year in USF Juniors, obviously he also stepped up uh, the ladder a wee bit towards the end of the season as well. Can you just talk about the pipeline of young maple syrup-powered racers coming up? Uh, and if we're going <laughs> to see you more involved in, say, driver management and development, that's another, another great area to explore, right? Because you're not just trying to uh, offer a couple words of advice here or there. You've been taking a more active role in trying to make sure that future Hinchcliffs are on their way to IndyCar. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think with a little more free time on my hands, it's it's easier to get a little more involved. You know, about ten years ago, myself, a guy called Tony Calderon, who I know you know, love and, Tony, and, uh, uh, former driver, now team owner, David Martinez, formed a, a company called Speed Group to kind of help you know manage and, and mentor young drivers from all over, and um, you know, certainly with uh, with my as we said, cha change of pace, so to speak, I've been a little bit more involved and, uh, and Max kind of, you know, the, the, the results of that hard work, um, phenomenal young driver, uh, great young man, good family. And, um, what is it about yeah, young Canadians yeah. who wear glasses, who are fast in open wheel cars? <laughs> That's a tradition as well that Max continuing. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. Greg Moore, Paul Tracy, a bunch of them have done it and done it well. So, uh, no, he's, I mean, he's got everything, you know, he's got everything it takes and, uh, and every level he moves up, he performs, you know, he jumped up into a USF 2000 car at Portland for the last race of the season coming up from the USF juniors and, uh, and duly won one of the races. So just an absolute dream start for him. He's going to be doing that full championship next year. And yeah, and again, now, now being involved with, uh, with the team Canada scholarship, it, it opens up more opportunities for us to, 
you know, look into some more young Canadian talent and, uh, and try to help them along the way because, you know, for a relatively small country population wise, we've always pumped out a fair number of, uh, of racing drivers. And, um, yeah, I, I want to be as active as I can be, you know, on, on that side of things now and really just helping promote and, and grow and, and, uh, and get young Canadians up to, uh, to the top level of the sport that they want to be at, whether it's sports cars, stock cars, or, uh, or open wheel. Let's just hope that that oversight has limits because the day you start getting grumpy texts from young drivers, you look after their parents because they were given the wrong parking pass and they need you to resolve that right away. Or you, you didn't get the free tear offs that the company was supposed to provide. You now need to go chase those down. Maybe that's where you subcontract to our guy, Chris Wheeler to look after that. Kind yeah, of stuff. that sounds that sounds like a fair trade. <laughs> We're going to jump into uh, the broadcasting side that you've been doing a lot of, Brother Next. As soon as we clear off this one, which has been asked by uh, Dan Werderich, Neil Joseph, Mark Andrews, and a bunch of other folks, they collectively say, Hinch, may I echo those who've praised your work in F1 and IndyCar. Outstanding. But any plans for this upcoming season as race car driver James Hinch, Cliff, 500, Rolex 24, uh, Red Bull Soapbox Derby. Where does <laughs> professional competitive motor racing steering and pedal stomping and paddle flapping, where does that stand on either interest level or realistic possibility level? Um, I think both. I think the answer to both is high. Um, you know, certainly the interest is there. There's been a couple of different programs that we've been um, actively pursuing on the sports car side of things and, um, haven't, haven't managed to get it across the line quite yet, but it's something that we're still actively trying to do. So yeah, the hope is certainly to be involved in something for, you know, at least Daytona, if not the, you know, more endurance races throughout the year. Um, so the, the, the desire is there. The one is there. There's been a conversation or two around a 500 ride, but as you know, as I've always said, it, it would have to be the right program for that. You know, we, we don't want to just jump into anything for the sake of saying we're in the 500. It's got to be a ride that we think we can be competitive in and, and fight for a victory. in. so, um, no, you know, no immediate announcements coming, but, uh, conversations constantly happening in the background, I think is the best way to put it. I love it. When was the last time? By the way, I was trying to think, when were you last in a racy car? Don't tell me it was 2021 season Beach. finale. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I've done some go-karting, but that's about it. Tell me about that, though, brother, because we inevitably are creatures of habit, right? I know that you've raced many things throughout your career, uh, whether it's sports cars, as you mentioned, going down under V8 supercars. And, you know, you've done plenty of interesting things alongside your open wheel career, but as a life driving motor racing vehicles has been the thing you have done forever year after year in that same cycle of training and preparing for the next season, doing that season, preparing for the next, what has it been like having a year I don't know if I want to say to yourself, because obviously you've been working and doing things, but tell me about a year without racing being the dominating aspect of your life. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. It's, it's a bit of an interesting transition, certainly. And, you know, I, I kind of call it my gap year, you know, mm. like, 
you're you're in between high school and university or in between university and the real world you know you take a year off and go travel around and, and do all the things you couldn't do while you were in school and you won't be able to do once you get a job and that's that's kind of what 2022 has been for me you know I, my entire life basically every february to october pretty much is dominated by one thing and even the months in between you're just constantly thinking and preparing and and doing what you have to do to get ready for that stretch so um you know i i had this sort of mindset going into 22 that i was just going to say yes to everything mm. anything my way was what professional personal like whatever it was all the things that i would have had to have just you know without even thinking about default to know in the past, I wanted to, I wanted to try. And so that's what I did. And and I can honestly say I had probably one of the busiest years of my entire life as a result of that. Um, a lot of travel, you know, I, I got off my 82nd plane of the year earlier today. Wow. Uh, so it's, it's been, and then there's still, there's still more to come. I know we're already, you know, mid, uh, mid November, but there's still more to come. So, uh, it's, you know, it's been a lot of fun. There's definitely things I've missed about being in the race car and I'm dying to get back behind the wheel of something sometime soon here. Um, but honestly, all in all, it's been, it's been really fun. It's been really sort of re-energizing in a lot of ways, even though I'm, you know, exhausted from from (laughs) all the travel. Um, yeah, it's, it's just been great. I've got to spend a lot of time with Becky and, um, kind of support her and, and her career a lot more than I've been able to kind of go on set and be the purse holder and fetch Starbucks for my, for my movie star wife and stuff like that. So that's just been honestly a, a blast. And, uh, we've had a lot of fun together this year. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's been great. It's been very different, but it's been great. I love it. Why don't we talk about good old commentating, which is something folks, uh, probably Half of the questions we received, Hinch, are about you talking into microphones. Should we blow people's minds to start who may have just discovered your commentary skills watching F1 TV or this past season on the NBC NTT IndyCar series broadcasts? Hey, this new thing you're trying, you're good at it should we blow their minds and tell them that if I I, I might be off by a year, but I think you started in the booth around the same time. Will powers IndyCar career started like (laughs) you, like, right. (laughs) I mean, folks may not know this Jeremy Shaw, who we've mentioned, uh, the great uh, patron of USA team USA scholarship uh, as well. The two of you champ car in particular in the final years of, of champ cars existence, commentary team uh, this is well what you started this if i believe when you were in atlantics or something like that why don't we start there and just tell folks that hey this new thing you're trying holy crap man it might be older than mac clark <laughs> not not quite older than mac but not far off unfortunately uh yeah no it's it's crazy it's really it's really coming back to commentary not not switching to it in, in a lot of ways because Yes, yeah, it was started back in 2006. Yeah. And Jeremy <laughs> Shaw was doing the international broadcasts for Champ Car. And so, you know, you had the domestic feed, which is what Rick Benjamin was kind of doing play by play on. And uh, that's what you would hear if you lived in the US or Canada. And then they had the international feed, which is actually what went out to 170 countries 
basically outside of North America. And Jeremy really just did that commentary on his own and would have people that he knew from around the paddock. He'd invite them up for, you know, 15 minute segment or something during the race. But for the most part, he just carried that thing on his back. And it was the second race of the champ car season, the Atlantic season uh, in Houston, I think. And I had run into him in the paddock and I, I had known Jeremy over the years and um, he said, well, hey, why don't you, why don't you come up to the booth for the start of the race and you can stay for a little bit and, and hang out. Said, yeah, sure. So went up to the, you know, did the Atlantic race, got out of my suit, got changed, ran up to, uh, to the booth and they throw a headset on me and they say, okay, uh, we're live to 170 countries. Don't swear. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so, and that, so that's you know, why we heard this, the sound of something going bloop and, uh, right. yes, uh, shorts so changed. The, yes. The, the, yeah, the immediate first thought is, holy sh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so we, we, we start and we, we start the race and, uh, you know, we get to maybe the first commercial break or something. And he said, well, Hey, do you want to stay for another segment? And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? And we get through the second segment, go to the next commercial break. He looks at me and goes, do you want to just stay for the rest of the race? And I said, well, hey, I was, I was just going to go watch it anyway. So, yeah, I might as well watch it from the best seat in the house. And I stayed and finished the race with Jeremy. And at the end, he took his headset off and he looked at me and he was like, what are you doing next week? Uh... And every week for the rest of the season, if Atlantic was there, I would finish my race. I would get changed. I'd run up to the booth and Jeremy and I would call the, uh, call the international feed for champ car. So that's, that's how it started. And it's so grossly unfair. I mean, you think of people that go to school for broadcast journalism and have, you know, dreams of being an on-air broadcaster for some sport or another. I literally just tripped into this opportunity and it gave me such a cool, you know, a bit of experience and, um, some great mentorship from Jeremy and, uh, all those things without really the right to be there or the right to have that opportunity. But I, I really enjoyed it. And so I always kind of put it on the back burner or something I wanted to explore again once, once the driving day stopped. And so here we are. Look at that. The James Hinchcliffe story, boys and girls. Um, why don't we get through a couple of those questions about good old commentating? Uh, Tim Hubble says, Mr. Mayor is moving from the track to the booth. Changed your professional relationship with former competitors and or teammates in any significant way. He also asked whether drivers open up more or less to you as a member of the media now than they were when you were a driver or competitor. Some interesting stuff there. Yeah, no, it's it's a great question, and it's it's definitely something I kind of had, you know, in the back of my mind when I when I made this move. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't want any of any of my friends or former colleagues to treat me any differently, but uh, I could understand their their reservation potentially. But no, it's honestly it's been great. I think uh, all of those friendships go further back and and deeper than you know me being up in the booth and. Um, you know, if anything, people are probably more open now because a, I'm not a competitor against them anymore. And, you know, B, the more information we have about how your weekend is going or why your season's going the way it is, you know, we can help tell that story that you don't always get the opportunity to tell as a driver, unless you finish in the top three and get interviewed, you know, there might be things that you want to say or want the public to know, but you don't get that, you don't get that opportunity. So, I think uh, I think everybody's been able to, you know, 
trust me in being able to separate what's information for the masses and what's just, you know, a confidential conversation. And, um, I haven't had any driver call me out for calling them out yet. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see if that happens in year two. That is the fine line to draw, right? It's through our personal relationships, not necessarily the professional relationships where we're able to add in some color, add some insights or observations, whatever it might be that goes beyond just the most obvious thing. There's always that line where you go, okay, I I might share this little thing that my driver friend or whomever friend told me, I'll use that during the broadcast. I'm going to hold back on some other things because, uh, A, they're not going to talk to me, but they'll stop talking to me after they punch me in the nose. So I'm going to avoid right. uh, those two things. And, yeah, to your point, I think you've uh, you've done a great job with that. Did it, on a related topic, take more than one instance of, hey, your podcast friend Rossi is having a really bad day. Why don't we get you to be the one to go talk to him because you have the close relationship did it take more than one of those instances for you to go, you know what, maybe there's some other folks who can go uh, poke the bear here uh, with Rossi. Does it always have to be me? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's the benefit of uh, of being up in the booth is you're not put in that position quite as much as the pit lane people are. I remember I, I had to do that after uh, Gateway in 2020 when Alex got involved in that start line crash. And... Uh, it was, it was tough, man. It was a little awkward for sure. Cause I know, I know what he's thinking in that moment. And I know how painful it is to have to face a microphone after something like that. But, uh, luckily the, the real professionals, you know, are the ones you're Kevin Lee's and Marty Snyder's and, and Dylan Welch's and, uh, Dave Burns down in the pits that are having to face those, uh, face those drivers in those, in those moments and have to, have to struggle through that better than I ever could. Why don't we start to ramp down here, brother, uh, with a little shift, looking towards the stuff you've been doing more recently uh, from a commentary standpoint, that being with Formula One. Uh, Our pal J.J. Gertler, also uh, Bill Geiker, I think as well, asked, all right, Hinch, F1 TV seems pretty freewheeling, while NBC seems a lot more prepared and, dare we say, occasionally rehearsed, at least for the openings. What are the real differences behind the scenes and the cultures and the ways that these two different, very different styles of open wheel racing broadcasting are presented? You know what? It's, it's, it's funny. It's, uh, they are so different. You know, I guess that's the difference between, you know, a kind of, a kind of forced streaming service versus a, uh, you know, network television kind of traditional, uh, way of doing it of, of of broadcasting sport in America, and at the end of the day, you know when you're the meat of the job is calling the race, and you can't script that, you know. So once the green flag drops in an IndyCar race or the lights go out in an F1 race, it's all it's all the same thing, you know. For it's ninety seven percent the same. It's just the little nuances in the difference between you know the rules and the cars and, and things like that, but you're just calling a motor race. And, uh, what's, you know, what's been awesome, uh, with the, uh, the F1 stuff, you know, obviously a, a wicked opportunity and, and so cool to get to work with, you know, people like Will Buxton and, uh, and Lawrence Barreto and, and the whole crew over there. Um, Julian Palmer and, and Laura Winter and Rosanna Tennant. Um, 
it's because it is a streaming thing. They don't have those time constraints that you often do have when you have a network, network television window. So the pre-show and the post-show can be a little, yeah, free flowing and definitely unscripted because you just, you don't have that time constraint, right? And in the IndyCar world, when you're on network television, you have X number of minutes and you have to get Y number of things in, in that time. So it has to be a little bit more structured. Uh, but I think both are great. I think both are fun ways to do it. They have their own unique challenges and uh, their own unique things about them that are fun. So it's been kind of it's been kind of interesting to see it from this side of things. Uh, it reminds me kind of like when we do Peacock shows on NBC, you know, because you don't have that that network TV window. We can be a little more a little more free flowing. So it's it's really similar to those in a lot of ways. But uh, but yeah, really cool opportunity and uh, and thankful for it. And it's just ultimately more experience for me and hopefully little things that I can pull and, and bring back to try to just be better on the IndyCar stuff as well. Let's stay here for uh, one more moment, Hinch. Love seeing that you were airdropped in uh, here a couple races ago for the F1 TV stuff. Then they said, much like Jeremy Shaw, hey, you want to hang around a little bit? And hey, they're putting you on a plane halfway around the world from where you live, which... We're looking for indicators of their belief in your talent and a belief that you add something very unique to the broadcast. It's clearly being shown. I love it when folks want to give you money to do things that you're good at. I'm also feeling a little bit protective about not wanting to lose you from the IndyCar broadcast because you bring that modern driver element that has been lacking. And again, that's no disrespect to Townie or anyone else. Just you've driven this new modern car, aero screen, everything where others have not. I'm not asking you to confirm what you are, aren't doing next year, but uh, what are the odds of, of you hopefully returning to Indy cars? That's still an interest. Or if, if, if F1 says, Hey, we want you for all, 312 races we're doing next year is that something you would consider um you're, you're being coveted a lot of a lot of folks want to dance with you hinch how do you how do you play with that and any risk of losing you no no indy indycar is uh is where i'm at for the foreseeable future for sure i mean i'll i'll, I'll be back with nbc for 2023 and and beyond more than likely so if uh yeah, if anything, if you know these opportunities to do the odd F1 race that doesn't conflict with the IndyCar schedule comes up, you know, I've, I've had a blast. It's been a great opportunity. Like I said, we've had a lot of fun with it. Uh, happy to do that. But uh, yeah, don't, don't worry, not going anywhere. IndyCar is uh, is definitely uh, definitely the program for 2023. So if you are clear for say, and I'll have to look at the calendar. I, I should have done that beforehand. But if you're clear for say the Miami Grand Prix next year or coda or whatever else knowing that sky has that the sky tv folks have been very fond of recruiting danica patrick for their broadcasts any chance we could get you to dress up one last time as manica uh for the f1 tv <laughs> side because i think that might be the best thing ever that needs to happen you know what i hadn't considered that but I still have the wig, so let me sleep on it. <laughs> yes. Oh, we're going to make it happen. All right, we're going to close with a couple of uh, lighter, bit of lighter fare or celebratory fare. Uh, our pal Jim Johnstone uh, says, Hinch, 
loving your work as a commentator. Hope to see you back behind the wheel sometime soon. He says, my question is for my son, Jacob, who's a huge car lover, and he would like to know, what is your favorite classic car, and have you had a chance to drive it? That's a great question. Um, it's funny, you know, my dad being English, I kind of grew up with, with the British classic car influence, and so... You know, for me, it was all MGs and Triumphs and Morgans and stuff like that. Uh, but for me, the 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 number one that I've had the chance to drive and one day I will own is uh, is an E Type. Oh. E Type. I think we just, just we just uncovered the whole F1 TV program here. It is nothing about commentating on F1. It's about bankrolling what you need to get an E-Type. And I, <laughs> I sign, I co-sign that hinge. That's a great bit of strategery there. Yeah, there you go. And then you got to think there's people in that paddock that have connections to some of the good ones out there. So Yes. Yo, I love it. I love it. Um, where should we go? You know, why don't we just close on this and... We're going to let you back to uh, adjusting to crazy, uh, crazy time zone change. And maybe uh, next month, because I don't want to wait another year again, we'll circle back and uh, cover off some more things with you. But why don't we close with this? Our pal, Tim Falkowitz, the, uh, the kind person who helped, first person to help put together the questions for me every week here on the show, says, Mr. Hinchtown, based on your last appearance on the podcast, you're clearly a big Letterkenny fan. Uh, a great television <laughs> television show from the Great White North. He says, did you know you would be mentioned on the show along with Greg Moore before that episode aired? Uh, also, which show do you like better, Shorzy or Letterkenny? He says, for me, it's Shorzy. <laughs> uh, well, first, first question, no, I had no idea. Um, it was a very cool moment when I, it popped up on Twitter was the first time I saw it. Somebody tagged me in the clip and I couldn't believe it because I had already been a huge fan of the show and, uh, to get, uh, to get the shout out on there was, was definitely <laughs> very cool. The Jimmy Hinchcliffe, uh, I believe, uh, as Jim, you referred uh, to. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and you know what, that's a tough, that's a tough, tough call because, Obviously, you know, Letterkenny's the OG. It's it's the reason Shorzy even exists as a character, never mind as a show. Um, but I, I do have to say, I, I've absolutely loved Shorzy. And I was just telling a friend the other day, I think my single favorite comedic scene, like the best written, best performed comedic scene I've ever watched, and I'm a big fan of comedies, uh, was in one of those episodes. So they've they've got a lot going for them that's for sure amen brother appreciate you knowing that indeed this isn't just you and i talking within a few hours of one another on a plane flight uh, you're picking up the phone here after a big long trip in the good old bird in the sky um and spending some time answering some questions and sharing some insights here so appreciate you as always appearance 14 is done 15 up next <laughs> can't wait Beautiful. Thank you, brother. That was good fun. 